the E, the H and I C, repping New York City, live and direct, cause he always come correct, when he does an interview and makes the streets all in him, he stimulates the brain, in your mobile device, and what he smash like the Hulk when he claps you with advice, it's all about the news when he drops and be slow, so pay close attention, shit's about to explode. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices, welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from the Upper West Side in New York City, where we blow up the news on a verbal scale. My name is Ephraim Guzman, and my guest today, he returns once again. He is the co-host of Watching the Hawks. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. Tyrell Ventura. Tyrell, welcome back, man, and how you doing? Oh, thanks for having me back on, man. Always a pleasure, always a pleasure. Yeah, man, I'm glad I'm glad you're on. And when we first started talking, Watching the Hawks was supposed to debut that, that week we talked. Watching the Hawks has been on, on now for a while. Tell the people out there how's the show been going and what's been going on with the show. It's, it's been absolutely fantastic uh, doing the show. We were already, boy, I think over 100 episodes now. I think we're at about 115 or something like that, maybe more. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been absolutely, absolutely fantastic. It, uh everything it's turning into everything that we we were hoping myself Tabitha Sean were hoping it would turn into um, you know and we'll really still have more surprises up our sleeves for the things that we're planning to do in the future and all that but uh, it's uh, it's been it's been fantastic on, on every level I, I can't say that enough yeah, it's been phenomenal. You've been having a lot of different topics, different stuff going on in your show, and um, you're getting a lot of traction because, you know, I guess it's only me that's seen it, but a lot of people definitely, you know, you bring up a lot of awareness and topics that's not really discussed on mainstream television. Do you have a lot of, you guys collaborate all together and have, like, certain topics you want to discuss for the show? Or, like, how do you come up with these stuff? Well, we, you know, we get together every every day, uh, you know, every, every morning, and, uh, satisfied with the format the way it is now do you want to like extend the time or right now it's a well-oiled machine right now and it's pretty good Thank you. 
your show is that, you know, you always want to be looking to the future and, and, and how to better present the things you're talking about and, and, uh, and really give the audience something that's not only informative but also entertaining. And, uh, and, and you're kind of trying to match both those things. So you're, you know, you're, you're being entertained. You might chuckle a little bit, but at the same time, you're, you're also learning and you're also, you know, getting some really good information. Yeah, and um, you, Sean, and um, Tabitha have always been together, and you guys gel well. Um, do you see yourself with anybody else, or is like you can't even picture past tomorrow of you guys? You know, you guys are like um, you're like osmosis. You're, you, you guys gel yeah, well. You know, well, well, we're the three amigos. You know, like, you know we, we, we really, you know, we've always had a really good, you know, synergy between the three of us, uh, and and I think that you know. It, it, is there always room for more people? Of course, you know, you know, like I said, everything's always moving and things like that. But, 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 you know, that core is always that core. And, and uh, you know, I love doing the broadcast with Tabitha and Sean. And, and you know, they, they each, you know, they they each bring such a, a brilliant perspective to things that, that you know we always want to try to surprise each other. And at times, we always want to try to, you know, try it. You know, they each, like Tabitha brings her unique perspective. Sean has his. I have mine. And, we just continue to hope that that that, that, that our three voices and, and how we present and how we look at things uh, gives you know different sides or creates good conversation about a topic uh, when we present them. Yeah. Getting into like a little bit about politics, um, you know the whole. You know, I, I I don't know if you've seen the Democratic debates and the Republican debates. I'm not sure if you watched it or not. <laughs> well, of course, but I'm part of the job description, and you gotta watch these things. You gotta watch these shows. <laughs> Ring circus with these, these debates. I mean, it's amazing to me how you know it, it, it's like watching WrestleMania now. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I mean, it, they, they, you know, they throw these questions out, and you see which candidates they they want to kind of put above others, and you see the kind of you know that with the Republican debates. I mean, the entire format was set up so that they fight with each other the whole time. You know, with the Democratic debates, I'm sorry, it's set up, it was really, in my estimation, it was really set up to try to make Hillary look as good as possible. You know, and, and you know, and, and you see that kind of subtle manipulations going on, and you see that kind of, you know, it is, it's like a wrestling interview, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, well, he said this, or she said this, or what do you feel about this? Yeah. And what gets lost in all of that is, true, solid discussion of issues beyond talking points, beyond, like, you know, I'm going to say a cute little phrase that'll get a little bit of applause. That's that's what I mean when it's like wrestling. It's like, you know, all they want to do is just, hey, here's my character I'm playing, and I'm going to tell you what I think you want to hear, and I'm not really going to tell you how I'm going to pay for anything. I'm not going to tell you how I'm actually going to implement any of this. I'm just going to give you these cute little talking points that I know you'll respond to, because they, I think, a lot of them really view not all the candidates, but I think uh, a lot of the, the really mainstream candidates kind of view the public as, you know, nothing more than an audience, not as people that they're there to serve. Yeah. Is there anybody you're taking pretty seriously, or right now you're not, you don't have any any eye on anybody yet because it's still too early, or? Well, I mean, I think that, that for me, you know, in the job that I do, you, you know, I don't know if I want to necessarily pick you know, who I really like, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. there's people that I think, there, there's ideas that I really like, you know, there's ideas I really enjoy, I, I mean, I think that, you know, what Bernie Sanders talks when he talks Wall Street, and, you 
know, and really truly reigning in Wall Street and, and the 1%, yeah, I really enjoy those ideas that he's saying. But, yeah. but, you know, but I can't, I don't think that at this point, though, though what I, given the, you know, given the position I'm in, uh, would, would endorse a specific candidate or, you know, something like that. I think, uh, and, you know, and, and also, you know, getting outside of, you know, the quote unquote, you know, Democrat, Republican, two-party, you know, uh, dictatorship. Uh, you know, you also have to look at your independent candidates, third-party candidates. You know, Jill Stein said a lot of really great things. Uh, you know, waiting to see who the libertarian candidate is. You know, there's a lot of really good candidates out there that aren't getting the mainstream attention, uh, but also have some really good ideas and some really good, uh, you know, ideas for policy that uh, could truly, truly revolutionize and change the country for the better. And I think it's important for us when we're watching these debates to always keep that in the back of our minds. You know what? There's not just these two candidates that ultimately end up chosen. You know, there's a lot of different, lot of different candidates out there, and they need just as much attention uh, of our attention uh, that the mainstream uh, candidates do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You say that um, with you know they need the attention, but um, is it because like you know there's other people that are there, but they don't have like the funding to promote themselves as well? Is it because they have lack of funds? Like you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of other candidates out there that a lot of people haven't heard of. What's what do you think about that? Well, I think that I think yeah. I mean, a big part of it is that you know when you yeah it comes in from lack of funding, and you got these two big conglomerate money machines that is the Democrat Republican Party. So obviously. And they got the mainstream media behind that idea of just two parties. But yeah, you're not going to—they're not going to get the airtime. They're not going to get the, the coverage uh, that you—that they should be and they deserve because they are running for president. They are candidates that will be on the ballot. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, when you walk into the voting booth, it's not just going to be two parties on there. You're going to see all the parties that have that get ballot access. And you know, I think that yeah, it comes down to funding, and it also just comes down to the fact that we do. You know, mainstream media and mainstream politics and pundit way here in D.C., they, they don't want to pay attention to those outsider candidates because a lot of times they'll have views that contradict the, you know, the, the, the direction of where, you know, the money man, the money interests of this country want to go. Yeah. And that's why you see, you know, that's why you see candidates marginalized, uh, you know, very, very much so. Even, even candidates within the two parties, you see them marginalized if they don't really toe the party line. You saw that in history when Ron Paul was running for president yeah. as a Republican. Uh, you see that many times, uh, especially when a third party gets in there. It's a kind of a riot. Yeah. What is your take? I would love to hear your opinion on this. What is your take of the whole Donald Trump, I, I, I don't want to say fiasco, but the Donald Trump show, the Donald Trump hour, because basically he's taking a lot of attention and a lot of the spotlight, and I'm just surprisingly surprised that he's really leading in the polls. Like, what's your opinion on this whole situation with Donald Trump? Well, it's interesting with Donald Trump, because do I am, am I happy to see a candidate like him and like Bernie Sanders really kind of shaking up the two-party establishments? Yes. Do I agree with the things Donald says? Uh, I've said on the show many a times that I'm, I, I think that there's a lot of what he talks about that's really, I mean, when he gets into talking about putting up walls around Mexico, uh, I, I want to get Donald on the show and I want to ask him, you know, Donald, you know, he, it's, it, you believe very strongly in building a wall. Well, you know, let's say you win and you get this wall built, and then let's say you serve two terms. You know, you have your wall. Well, what happens when you're out of office and suddenly that wall to keep people out 
suddenly design, you know, suddenly can very easily be turned to keep people in. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, you know, I mean, that's why we shouldn't be building walls. You know, and, you know, am I shocked that he's leading the, the Republican ticket? Well, I think it plays to the fact that you have a lot of voters out there who just are desperate for some kind of change. And whether you agree with Donald or not, he's the loudest person in that party who is different than the status quo. Uh, maybe, you know, and, and different than your kind of button-down versions of politicians you're used to seeing up there giving you the canned answers, you know, giving you the answer that Donald Trump thinks is the best, whether you agree with him or not. And I think that that's definitely, you know, he's definitely playing to a base of that party that does feel underrepresented. And I think it's, he's also kind of the, the, the Frankenstein candidate of that party because they've kind of played these kind of more extreme views uh, to get elected, and now suddenly you have a guy in there who is, you know, the culmination of that, and I think it scares a lot of the, you know, kind of uh, button-down, uh, uh, normal kind of, I guess you'd say, like, I don't know, corporate <laughs> uh, versions of candidates you're used to seeing at, at, in that party, and I think, uh, you know, they're definitely shaking it up, but, you know, I think that, that there's a lot of issues I disagree with Donald on, and, uh, you know, I've made that say the fiasco but the whole email thing like is it really necessary now at this point like that's pretty much all i'm getting from the debates if you're just a regular average joe from the street and you're watching the debates the only thing you're getting out of it is emails from hillary clinton and donald trump hates mexicans that's all you're pretty much getting out of it like it's just it's just it's it's sad it's sad it's pretty much sad um yeah. what you what you think about that well i think about hillary in the email thing. yeah I mean, you know, here's the thing. It, it to me, it smells of nothing more than election politics. To me, it's like you know, one side has to knock down the other side. So we're gonna, you know, drum up this story about emails now, whether it's real or not or whatever. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it, it was she. Do I think that? You know, she should have played by the rules and not used her personal email while working for the State Department. Well, yeah, there's a reason why they give you an email to use while you're in office. Yeah. <laughs> you probably should use that email. Yeah. At the same time, do I understand human beings in, in the sense of, well, I use this email all the time. Why should I change over? It's easier for me to do it this way. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's a part of the story. There's a lot more to it than just that. But, you know, ultimately, to me, it's all distractions. It's all things that have to do more with person rather than what's ultimately good or bad for the country. And what we should be talking about is Hillary's stances on issues and not be talking about whether or not she used the wrong email and all of that, because you know, I think at this point we all kind of, you know, 
Yeah. You know, it's also not fair, too, because to the other candidates, um, you have, like, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, both been on Saturday Night Live. You're not going to see Ben Carson on Saturday Night Live. You know, probably not going to see Bernie Sanders on Saturday Night Live. It's just, it's just you know, there's getting promotion from everywhere. Like, you know, they just, at CNN um, recently, they just sold an old McDonald's commercial ad that Donald Trump was in. Like, you know, they're getting all this free exposure. It's just, it's just insane. And, you know, you know, TV is like a subliminal message to people, and people might just say, oh, the only people who are running is Hillary and, and Donald because that's all I see on t- on television. Yeah, yeah, and and, and, and man, it, it's not that hard to see why. I mean, Time Warner over Hillary's career is like the seventh biggest donor to her career as a politician. Time Warner, you know, which owns ultimately CNN. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, I mean, you can say they're not biased, but like ultimately, you know, they have a vested interest in Hillary's success because they've given her a lot of money. Yeah. They can say all day long that we go, but, 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 but I mean, you know, let's let's look at it in our eyes and our common sense. You know, and and so that's kind of where you know, again, you're you're you know, those two candidates uh, bring them ratings ticks. So at the end of the day, they're going to go with candidates who are going to bring them ratings and put the people second, as opposed to what gets the ratings, what gets them views, what makes them money. Yeah, that 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 you just hit the nail right on the head because, you know, that's all. It's 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 like like you said. It's it's almost like the WWE. It's WrestleMania. You know, it's basically Hogan and Andre. You know, I'll pick your poison. Hillary could be Andre and Donald Trump is Hogan. You know, and they're just really promoting the heck out of it. You know. Yeah, that's that's what they do. That's what their design is. You know, yeah, it's all wrestling. It's all that. You know, and at the end of the day, you know. Um, I want to bring up your dad. Um, I know your dad, you know, it's not that he said he's running, but I'm sure he probably is thinking about it. Um, I'm not not speaking to your dad, I'm speaking to you, but how do you think your dad, has this lit a fire in your dad? Like, this is is insane? Like, what does he think? What is your dad thinking about the situation? Well, my dad, you know, he's always, you know, he's a big believer in fate and destiny and, and, and No, he has no idea. I don't think he's never not told me whether or not he wants to run or anything like that. But I think he always kind of, you know, it's always in the back of his mind because ultimately, you know, he, he you know, he, he wants to make a difference. And he wants to make a change. And he wants to. He believes, you know, very strongly that, that if he is in a position where he can make an impact and, and, and do some good for the people of this country, uh, you know, he'll he'll consider it and he'll do it if, 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 if he feels that he's in a position that, that that can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and you know, and, and he, you know, he puts his voice out there and puts his views out there. And, and uh, like I said, I have no idea if he'll if he'll run for president or not. No, he has not told me uh, yay or nay and any of that kind of thing. But uh, but it's always I think it's always something there. And I think I think that's true for most people who have held high office. You know, whether governor or senator or whatever it may be, I think there's always that that drive, you know, somewhere inside them that, that says, you know, maybe I should do this again. Maybe it's time for, for my voice to be heard, um, you know, in, in the political format. And, um, you know, so there's always possibility. You know, there's always a possibility. Yep. 
Yep, like you know, like um, what is the motto of the WWE? Anything can happen and will happen in Anything. WWE. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's the same thing in life too. Anything can and will happen. Oh yeah. Anything can and will happen. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was gonna know. Um, you know a little bit about the space stuff, right? Everything with the like they found water in Mars. Did you think that was in the news recently? You heard about that? Uh, which was it? Well, well, they found water in Mars. I think, like, they found. I don't know if you if you, if you was aware of that. I think it was in the news. I don't. I think it was like a couple of weeks ago where I think they made a discovery that they, you know, I think they had water on Mars or something like that. I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, water on Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Quite astounding. Uh, man, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that that's one of those moments where I put it to you like this: it, it's we, as a people uh, in the world, uh, we, I, one thing that I think that we're lacking today is a true uh, belief in just how amazing humanity can be. And, and when we discover things like that about our universe, about our, you know, it's ultimately a discovery of ourselves and, and what we're capable of. And the fact that we are able to see, wow, we've been able to find out discover that there's water on Mars. That's an amazing moment yeah. in history. We, you know, earlier this year, we landed a satellite, you know, we landed a probe on a moving asteroid, yeah. uh, and, and we're able to study it. These are amazing moments in history that, that I think that, that we we have to take a moment to step back and say, look at, look at how great, you know, look at how great we've done, and look at what we've been able to accomplish. And, and, and these are things that we should be getting behind as a, as a people, as a society, as, a, as humanity, uh, because they're inspirational, and we need that inspiration, especially during the dark times, especially when there's nothing but violence on TV, you, you know, when we turn on the news and there's a lot of violence, and there's a lot of strife, and there's a lot of hopelessness, these are the kind of things that can bring us hope, and with a little bit of hope, you can overcome a lot of the violence in the world. <laughs> yeah. At least just bringing us together, just to bring us together and realize, you know what, we're, we are all one, you know, we're all, you know, we're all here, we're all humans, we're all mankind, you know, and, and, you know, maybe we need to start putting aside some of our differences uh, and, and start looking, looking up and, and, and saying, you know, look at the things that we can do and look at the things we can accomplish and start believing in each other a little bit. And, and you know, man, I'm probably sounding really, really uh, lovey-dovey and hippy-dippy, but, you know, I believe in those kinds of things. And I think that the study of our universe and, and the scientific study of the natural world uh, uh, and, and that, that, that sense of discovery is very important to us as people uh, because we need that. We need to be reminded of how great we can be, you know, and how smart we can be and how intelligent we can be. And, and, and these are, you know, finding water on Mars. Those are some of those things that just, you know, wow. Um, what's your stance? Um, I'm, 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 I guess you talked about it before, but I, I don't recall. Um, what's your stance on UFOs and extraterrestrial life forms out there? Do you believe in it, or? Well, my stance is on UFOs and extraterrestrial life. Well, I, I will go back to the old adage of, man, if there are no other aliens, if there's no aliens, and if there's nothing like that, then that is an awful waste of space. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe very strongly that. Uh, yeah, I believe completely that there is obviously life in the universe. I, I think that the, it might not be life we understand or we can comprehend mm -hmm. uh, at this point, but where we're at, but, I mean, I, like I said, it'd be an awful waste of space if we were it. And if we are it, then again, that goes back to, 
at how important it is to understand how valuable we are and how valuable human life is. Mm-hmm. You know, if it really is just us and this rock floating out in the vast, you know, wilderness of space, then boy, how lucky we are. Yeah. And how amazing we are if, it, if, it's, if it's just us. But do I believe in UFOs? Well, I, you know, when I was doing conspiracy theory, you know, we were out at Skinwalker Ranch and, and I saw something I can't explain in the sky. I don't know if it's extraterrestrial or UFO. I mean, it was an unidentified flying object. I don't know where it came from. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, just, I have seen things in my life that I can't explain. I can let you say I can't say definitively it was, you know, alien beings, um, or, you know, in a, in a spaceship. But I can say that I've seen things that I can't explain. What did and, you? And, what, uh, what did you exactly see, though? What? Well, tell me the story. Well, we were we were out at the Skinwalker Ranch for an episode we did, which is a which is a ranch I, I believe in. Uh, outside of Salt Lake City, if I remember correctly, a few years ago, and um, it, uh, we were there, me and Sean Stone, and, and we were there uh, investigating the ranch, and while in the process of that investigation, going night, we were uh, at like a gate up there, because uh, I believe this man named Bigelow, from I remember, owns it, and it was, it was a ranch with a long history of a very, you know, bizarre phenomenon, and while I was there, I looked up in the sky and saw a green light to this day. I cannot explain what it was. It, it was moving, it was there, and then it, it, it kind of melted into the sky, and it wasn't gas, it wasn't, you know, it, it looked like a helicopter light at first, but it definitely was not. Wow. And uh, to this day, I can't explain it. Like I said, I can't definitively say, oh, it was totally an alien. Uh, because I, I couldn't, you know, the best way I can describe it, when you see something that you can't really understand, um, it, the best way I can describe it is it's kind of like when you see the pinwheel of death on your Microsoft computer and like the machine's trying to load yeah. and you're like, why won't it work? Your brain kind of goes into the pinwheel mode. It's kind of like I'm staring at something that my brain cannot comprehend and it's trying to figure it out. And I'm just frozen, just looking at this thing, trying to figure it out. And that's what happened to me. It was a, it was a very interesting experience. You know, it was a very, you know, it definitely, it definitely makes you, it definitely gives you pause and, and lets you say, you know, there, there, there's, there are things in this world that we can't explain and that we don't understand. But I put the keyword on that yet. Because I think given, given the things that we've been able to accomplish and the things that scientists have been able to uncover, uh, and, and from citizen scientists to professional scientists, uh, you know, there's a there's a world out there that, that has yet to be explored. And uh, by God, we better start exploring it because it is fascinating. It can only it can only help us at the end. It will always ultimately allow us to better understand ourselves. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I had an experience when I was younger as well. Um, I've seen I seen a, a like a, um, a light when um, I used to live with my mother. I seen like a light coming out the window, but it was like different types of lights. It was like uh, like from what I remember, it's kind of funny. Like I, it's like vaguely, but I do remember I seen like a purple, yellow, green. And it was just spinning in a circle, 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 circle. Then it just disappeared. I was like, oh my god! I don't know what I can't say it was alien or not, but it, you know what? That I will always remember that for the rest of my life. And I probably was like at least ten years old, stuck in my head. Always remember that. Those are those amazing moments, man. Those are those moments where you're just kind of like, wow, I just saw something. I, maybe maybe somewhere there's a really intelligent dude who wrote a paper about it. You know, <laughs> a really intelligent man or woman who wrote a paper about that light. It's yeah. very easily explainable, but it's not in our sphere of knowledge. But, boy, 
really does, it really does kind of get you. It's really kind of like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, there, there is that moment. And, and you're right, you know, I won't forget what I saw on Skidmore Ranch. Yeah. You're not going to forget what you saw when you're 10 years old, and it kind of sticks with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where, like, Arsenio Hall used to say, things that make you go, hmm, but then, you know, mm-hmm. you don't know what it is. Well, you know? Wasn't that what CMC Music Factory did that song? Oh, yeah, things, like, yeah, yeah, things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you're telling, you're telling our age right now. I'm the hell out of myself. Oh, yeah, I remember that song uh oh you're you're a child you're, you're um we're both we're child i think around that era though but uh you know great great music like that won't come back again like the music they have now is just crazy but you know <laughs> <laughs> not to not to no you not to insult the music they have now but you know, I don't know I, i'm partial to the i'm an 80s guy so i'm partial to the 80s oh yeah oh yeah 80s and 90s man this is my generation i'm old saying that i have a music of the generation now but okay That's true. Star Wars is coming up in December. It's a few months mm. away. Are you looking forward to it? Of course I'm looking forward to the new Star Wars movie, man. Like, I mean, wow. Like, I'm really, I'm, I'm, hoping, that they, uh, I'm hoping they do a hell of a good job with it because right now everything that I'm seeing, it, it's got me intrigued. Yeah. You know, it's definitely got me intrigued as it has, you know, the, the world, it seems. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's probably going to break every known record in cinemas that we have because you want for Christmas then <laughs> um yeah um, um the movie is phenomenal and the thing is um I, I'm, I'm not sure if you're really really familiar with Star Wars like that but you know now they have comics and um Star Wars Rebels everything is like kind of connected you know like they have um well the, the books that are not I guess um part of the new the, the new establishment is called Star Wars Legends and the new ones now like they have like Han Solo comics and like um the Vader's comics like after Return of the or, like um before Return of the Jedi so like you get a little bit of backstory but you necessarily don't need to like read the comics or read the books you could just watch the movie for what it is but it's like a little like Easter egg for the fans so you can see what Leia's been up to and Luke has been up to so it's it's really cool it's really cool. It is, man, it is, and, and, and that, you know, that goes back to how, how you know, we, you know, that's, that's part of our, our culture and our heritage and our history and, like, these stories, uh, you know, it's, it's why we invented theater, you know, it's why the Greeks invented theater so long ago, because they all, you know, all these stories from Star Wars to, you know, Icarus to, you know, all these different, different stories, you know, they, they all, you know, tell us a little bit about ourselves, and especially when they're done right, and, yeah. You look at Star Wars, you know, that original trilogy and that, that, that very classic, you know, arc of a hero that you saw there, uh, you know, those things transcend, transcend culture, they transcend, you know, they, they, those are stories that will always be with us. That's why suddenly you see Star Wars back again and you see all these brilliant, you know, you're, you know writers and, and filmmakers and people 
you know, everybody has different interpretations of Star Wars. If you, there's people that see it as a religious aspect to it, as like the Jedi's are monks and it's have that religious feel of redemption. And you know, you can look at it as like it's like almost like you know, um, George Lucas was inspired by Flash Gordon, so you see the Flash Gordon influence. Um, there's there's so many you know, like people who watch Lord of the Rings, they they have all this, or they see all these different symbolism in the movie. Um, what symbolism when you watch Star Wars? Um, and now as an adult, do you do, do you see any symbolism in watching the movie again as an adult, as opposed to a child? Yeah, you know it's interesting. As a, as a child, I you know you get, I got caught up a lot in, in you know I you know I really enjoyed that that basic you know that basic beautiful you know good versus evil arc to it. And then as an adult, when I watch it now, you know there's a million there's a million really great you know allegories that come out of it. But Yeah, let's, let's go over here and hurt these people. 
Yeah, the key word you said is influences, because even if you watch Star Wars from the beginning, um, Anakin was influenced by the Chancellor, which he was pretty much corrupting him from the get-go. And, you know, and basically the power of suggestion and the power of persuasion really, you know, and him afraid of, you know, keeping the ones he loved, you know, drove him to the dark side, per se. Almost like you could say it's like a metaphor for life, you know? Like, you know, what would people do in a situation knowing that they're going to lose something they love? Everybody reacts to a situation very differently. So it, it, it does has that, you know, you know, I always, you know, sometimes I tell people life, it equates back to Star Wars. You know, it's, it's, it's a metaphor for the human psyche and what are we going to do when when shit hits the fan to be bluntly like that you know well yeah i mean when you when you you know it, it, it's a very good way of looking at it in, in this sense that, that you know in using let's say the, the drone metaphor you know when you look at any time you inflict violence on, on somebody like you know whether you know whether it's whether you're you, you know whether you're whether it's somebody flying a plane into a building and killing three thousand people, yeah. uh, or someone dropping a bomb, you know, with a drone and killing two hundred people, mm-hmm. there's family members that are affected by that. Yeah, and those family members then who don't understand, you know, the situation or might not understand the politics of why, uh, where one side will justify their actions, you know, and what they use to justify their actions. The person who lost their brother, their wife, their sister, their loved one, they don't care about that. They're going, you took something very sacred and dear to me, and I don't, I hate you for that. And and that's the thing I think we miss a lot of times in our foreign policy, and that's the thing that you see very, very, you know, <laughs> can't believe I'm making an analogy to Star Wars, but that's what you see there, is that, you know, every, every, every action, every, every, you know, moment that you, you know, whether it's in a movie or, on, or in real life, that, that a, you know, a character you know, takes a life, uh, there's, there's a real reaction to that. Somebody just lost a loved one. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you have to understand that kind of pain and that kind of hurt to understand the dangers of that kind of policy. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the dangers of, of you know, the more violence you inflict, the farther down the dark side you fall. Mm-hmm. You know, because because and, and you have to be prepared for the repercussion, the blowback of that violence. And you can't stand on a high horse and say, well, we were justified. Mm-hmm. Well, you, know, you might be at the time, but now you have to really take a hard look at yourself and say, you know, down the line, is it really the best thing to do? Is this long-term, you know, the smartest play? Mm-hmm. You know, vengeance is easy. Revenge is easy. You know, that's an easy thing to get bought. That's easy. That's a very easy emotion to begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, 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 you know, forgiveness and understanding is much, much harder. And, 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 but you have to understand, you know, so you can't, you know, you can't get necessarily angry. Uh, you know, you got to understand. That just goes back to what I was saying. You have to understand why people do the things they do. Yeah. It's almost like the Bible as well, you know. Forgive your enemies, you know. Turn the other cheek, you know. It, 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 it you know, it, 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 you know. You can associate it with the Bible. You can associate it with a movie, but like it comes down to basically, I guess, human emotions, you know. And you know what, you know what is passable, what is forgivable. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you know, doesn't mean you gotta just, you know, like obviously, you know, when you're hurt, hurting, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to extend the hand out. But, but you know, eventually you hope to you hope to find some kind of you know some kind of peace, some kind of compromise.
Um, any new episodes you got coming on watching the Hawks? Anything, any inside scoops you can tell me? That <laughs> <laughs> man, we always, we all, like I said, man, we always got good, good stuff up our sleeve, and we're always putting things together, and we're always going to try to keep that good, you know, keep putting out great episodes and, and keep, keep keep people informed. And uh, you know, we uh, the thing with the news is it's, it's we, we're you know we're a daily show, so it's hard for me to say, oh, we've got this coming up. Never ever be too sure when things will change or when a different story breaks. You have to let one thing go to talk about another thing. So I can't, I can't give any like hardcore like we're doing this on this date because the news <laughs> so much as the news is always changing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to promise the people love them and let them down. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a very political uh, answer. <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, but no, we're always we're always out there, there you know with some really good stuff up our sleeves, and, and I and I can promise everybody Okay, so everybody will keep watching. <laughs> and my final question. <laughs> and um, my final question to you, Tyrell. What would the Tyrell of today tell the Tyrell of yesterday? Good answer. Um, Tyrell, plug your social media. Plug watching the Hawks. Uh, yeah, man. We are. Uh, yeah, man. You can you can find us on uh, YouTube, which I believe is uh, YouTube uh, backslash watching the Hawks. Uh, find it on the YouTube there. Uh, I got Tyrell watching is my Twitter at Tyrell watching Twitter. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter there. And I'm all I'm all I'm all locked in into this social media thing. It's crazy. You know, I got to carry my phone around all day. To keep, uh, to keep up with social media. It's nuts. Never thought I'd ever be that person, but I am. <laughs> you know, Any, anything to give the fans a little bit more insight and to give the people a little bit more information. I know. I was a person playing Double Dragon and Street Fighter and cutting school, staying home to play the Nintendo 64, and now you have everything on your phone, you know? <laughs> and now everything's on the phone, man. I, you know, like, hey, I'm still at home playing some video games at the end of the day, man. I put in a six hour session on Mad Max. Oh, boy, that game got me. <laughs> This might be a weird question. I just thought of it now, but I haven't played any wrestling games in a while. Um, is your dad in the wrestling game? And if he is, do you use him as a character? Man, they have not put my dad in the wrestling game. I think it's about time they do. I think people need to start putting a little pressure on uh, 2K and, and, uh, and WWE to be like, well, Jesse Ventura in there, because otherwise you got to sit and create him. And, man, that's, I, I don't know if I'm egotistical enough to sit down and create my dad in the video game. <laughs> It's crazy. They have they have Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator, in the game, but they don't have Jesse the Body Ventura. That's you know I'm telling you, man. That's got to change, man. People got people got to let them know. <laughs> yeah, I 
I'm sure Jesse must be upset about that because you got one politician in the game. You got to have at least one more. <laughs> I, if my dad played video games, he'd be upset about that. But my dad hasn't played a video game. I won't throw a pack old school. My dad has not played a video game since Lakers versus Celtics by EA Sports back in, I think, the late 80s. Oh, my God. You just took me back. Ooh. From, yeah. um, what system was that? Do you remember the system? I want to say that was like Sega Genesis. Oh, uh, my God, Master yeah. System. One of the, I think Sega Genesis. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Lakers versus Celtics. Oh, my yeah. God. And it was and only... My dad used to play Lakers versus Celtics with me, and he was a monster. <laughs> he, was, he, he retired in his prime. Uh, <laughs> he would have Lottie Devots under the glass, killing me all day long in that thing. Oh, my God. Damn. Whoa. I haven't heard of that in a while. Oh, my God. You just took me back. <laughs> Was it only? It was only like four players in the game, right? You know how the games now they have all players in the game. Was it only two on two on, on that? On I, that think it, I think it was five on five. Oh, it was five on five. Mistaken, okay. If I'm not mistaken, I think that was the first game where they had like they only had like the sixteen teams in the playoffs. If I'm not mistaken, oh. I think it was only like they only did the playoffs, and that year it was like Lakers Celtics. I think, and and yeah, they only had like the. It was the eight. It was like either eight or sixteen teams that, that made the playoffs that year. That was all that was in the game. But I remember it was like big time because it was like, oh wow, they actually have like the real guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except for Michael Jordan. I remember Michael Jordan was always Bulls guard ninety nine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 was a monster. <laughs> that's, that's what I remember about that. <laughs> uh, I I I I so miss the Sega system. I so miss it. Oh my god. I know, man. It was easier to play when you just had the three buttons. Yeah, now it's like uh, it's a triangle. There's buttons on the on the on the thumbs. There's buttons on the like the oh, fingertips. Yeah. You know, it's it's all over the place, man. It's all over the place. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Tyrell, um, um, I haven't done this before, but you want to give me a quote before before we exit out? Give me like a well, what is Tyrell's favorite quote? Oh, my favorite quote. Yep. Oh, boy, you're killing me right now. Um, <laughs> off the top of my head, my favorite quote. Favorite quote. Uh... Ah, <laughs> I'm a Hunter Thompson, Hunter S. Thompson. When the, when the, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. Ah, I like that. <laughs> On that note, I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one.